Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Elk Shape Podcast, Episode 8, with me, Dan Staten. And tonight we're going to sit down with one of my good friends in the hunting industry, Mark Boardman from Vortex Optics from Washington State originally. He graduated from Washington State University his family's still here in the in the Northwest and on the other side of the state as well. Mark's a down-to-earth guy, grew up in a blue-collar family, hunting public lands. He's just a really good dude. He hunts whitetails in the Midwest now and comes back home to hunt elk. We talk about that as well as the lineup for Vortex Optics in 2018 and their VIP warranty and some things that you just need to know that Vortex is a legit company. Mark's just like anybody else. He's very down-to-earth, very blue-collar, very family-oriented. He hunts his butt off on public land close to home there in Wisconsin for whitetails. He travels home to hunt Roosevelt's with his dad and brother. Uh, He's just a good dude. He's flown over to Spokane before. I've met his wife and his daughter at the time. Now he has another addition, so he's got two little girls, and he balances the hunting, work, family life. So he's really cool. We get to get into that as well as some of his other exploits and adventures. And I'm just pretty pumped to have Mark as a friend. And on this podcast, I hope you enjoy getting to know Mark better and learn a little bit more about Vortex Optics and why I use them as well. If you're tuning in, check out the Elk Shape store. I'm pumping up some product in there, some decals, some teas, some hoodies, some coffee mugs, And we'll get those shipped out to you. And I just finished up 21 Days to Elk Shape, a complete program for 21 days to totally revamp your exercise, shooting, and conditioning program. Everything from backpack cardio intervals to home gym type workouts that you can do anywhere, as well as how to dope your weapon, shooting your bow under duress. I just give you a blueprint as to how I would prefer anyone to get into Elk Shape And I'm super proud that this PDF is interactive with video links to private videos that you can only view if you have the PDF. Check that out. Also, my book's on there, Train to Hunt, is the name of that book. And you can get that in the PDF version as well. 
And I appreciate all your support and positive feedback, comments, questions, all those things. Send them to elkshape at gmail.com. You guys and your feedback is what powers me and motivates me to stay hungry and get after it and make this happen. I am on the war path in 2018 to help all of you become the best versions of yourself and to just make elk shape something that's very important and vital to inspiring and educating those to become awesome do-it-yourself blue-collar elk hunters. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so Mark Borman, Vortex Optics. Everybody kind of knows you because they got to work with you with the marketing side of mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and the media and, and all that fun, exciting stuff yeah. from Vortex. Yeah. And that's all cool, but you're like the first industry guy I've had on my podcast. My podcast is more geared towards like blue collar dudes right, that right. are maybe not in the in, in the hunting industry at all, preferably. Yeah. And they just kinda like, you know, they're on the outside looking in. They think it's cool, but they love hunting. They're passionate yeah. about hunting. And yeah. that's what I like about you. Is I know you as Mark Boardman, a guy who hunts the Midwest, a guy who comes out west and hunts with his family for elk every year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that kind of stuff. The Vortex things is cool, yep. and I love their optics and been using them for years. But let's talk about the fun stuff. So I know you as one of the few marketing guys, uh, in my opinion, is just you're down to earth. You're super level-headed. You could, you could leverage yourself to be on a lot of TV shows and a lot of cool hunts that maybe most regular guys couldn't afford. But I've noticed that's not you. You're not a guy leveraging your position to do that. And not that there's anything wrong. I know a lot of guys do that. But what you've stayed true to your roots. You spend your va- vacation time, your precious time, hunting with your family, coming over to Washington, hunting Roosevelt, yep, and, yep. and going down. I've known you've gone to Arizona a few times. Yeah, you're definitely not doing that hunt for the uh, the success ratio. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your – if I had to ask you, what's your favorite hunt that you look forward to every year? Is it – I mean, is it your traditional hunt or is it something new every year? Like, what do you look forward to the most? Man, you know, I mean, everything, you know, is so cool in its own way, right? You know, and that's probably one thing that I, I mean, there's definitely things I love to do. I love to get back home and chase rosies with my dad and my brother. You know, that's, that's, that's home for me. You know, that's what I grew up doing, actually, mostly with the rifle and start bow hunting them later on in life. You know, yeah. I, I grew up in... Uh, uh, you know, where my dad and my brother and my grandfather, we all rifle hunted. And, you know, in Washington, you have to, you know, pick your weapon. You so choose your weapon. So, yeah. So if you take that, you know, you miss out on that bow season. So, you know, that family, that family aspect was, uh, you know, also always really important to me. So we did that and then, you know, started bow hunting later in life. And, and, and my, my brother finally got into it after years of encouragement. And, you know, he went out actually his first year and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, had some, some success. And then, you know, we went out uh, a couple years ago and he killed a bull. And then, uh, last year he killed a big five point. I'm like, holy mackerel, man. I'm, I'm like, he's like, yeah, I should have been doing this for years. I'm like, yeah, you should have, you know, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I just, I just love, um, you know, uh, just getting out, just getting out, you know? And, and I think, you know, I think it's, I don't really specialize, you know, I think there's so many cool opportunities out there. Like I love exploring and, and doing, uh, doing new things. So, um, the places it takes you, the landscapes that you get to see, um, you know, get some, get some different cultures, some different perspectives in there. I mean, primarily North America, I'm not a you know, big international guy like that, you know, yeah. that's, you know, North America is, you know, where my heart is from a hunting perspective, but, well, uh, like maybe you never thought of this, but I know you from your position, which working with Vortex, you could leverage yourself to be on some amazing whitetail properties, yet we just got done looking at your public land 
archery buck that you killed in Wisconsin, you hung a tree, a climber, mm-hmm. and killed a buck on public land. And, I mean, that's, we both know that's the most rewarding hunt, but I also know, dude, you could have got yourself on some pretty cool leases and stuff with your position. What is it about the public land allure? Like, what is it? So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, it, it adds an extra layer, an extra element. You know, I'm not going to sit here if one of my buddies said, because this has happened, like, dude, you want to hunt my super rad place? And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. let's jump in. Let's go, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's cool, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it adds it adds an extra layer. It's almost uh, that, that uh, the exploring, you know, and trying to figure stuff out and the challenges and oftentimes frustrations, you know, of, of pressure. You know, I mean, heck, I got up. Um, in, you know, jumped in my climber, got there, you know, an hour before daylight. And, uh, you know, as I'm, or I just, I started hiking in about an hour before daylight and I was just getting up, you know, in that gray light and I look up and there's a dude, you know, 80 yards away from me and he's shimmying up in his climber too. I'm like, okay, that's not good. You know, but he actually had the better wind, but I think he got frustrated that I was, that I was there. So he jumped out, you know, I was like, oh, well, really? uh, but, uh, I was like, man, I would have, I would have stayed up there. You yeah. know, you, you had, you had the advantage, but, uh, and that's uh, public land hunting. You, that's you, public land hunting. I mean, yeah. you gotta, you gotta roll, you gotta roll with the punches and, and, yeah. you know, adapt and, you know, it forces you to explore or go deeper or, you know, check new stuff out. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I ended up, uh, getting lucky, jumped into a spot, you know, that I'd been, been looking at, uh, on Onyx maps and, and also, you know, I jumped in there just on the fringe and seen some good sign and, uh, yeah, I ran up in there in the afternoon and, and, uh, shimmed up in my climber and in a, in a tree that was about as smooth as glass, which wasn't necessarily optimal Sketchy. for that, but it was yeah. kind of like the right spot from where it looked like where I wanted to be. And, you know, uh, let out some grunts and got lucky and buck came down the trail and, and, uh, got a good arrow in him and, and, uh, it just worked it, like, it couldn't have worked better. Like I was, you know, jacked out of my mind, totally one of the most rewarding bucks or yeah. hunts of my life, you know? And I guess it's, again, you said it well, if you had opportunity to hunt another place, sure. But I know that you could in your position, but you chose the public land route, which I love. And that, and the reason why I think it's just a bigger puzzle mm-hmm. with more pieces. Yeah. So it's just, you're probably not going to put it together, but when you do, oh my gosh, that feeling it, is indescribable. Well, and it's like, it's, it's almost like an extra hunt, you know? I mean, you're, I mean, you know, like I said, you got that extra layer of it is public. There are other guys, you know, you're looking for that little, you know, that little sliver or just, you know, that, that, that access point that maybe a lot of people don't look for yeah. or know about because it looks so small but maybe it you know it adjoins to something that's a little bigger that you know you're gonna have some room to roam a little bit so it's yeah. almost like i mean heck i i spend my you know my wife is like how many hours are you gonna spend you know looking at your at your maps i'm like probably a lot more <laughs> <laughs> well that is cool we you did mention wife and that's one thing about my podcast is i try to talk about stuff that I am, uh, you know, going through, if mm-hmm. you will. And mm-hmm. one of them is being a father yep. and a husband and a guy who has an immense passion for elk hunting. Yep. And I'll be honest, and, and I'm very transparent, I have a hard time balancing it. I lack Dude. balance in my life. I am all or none. I go all in, and, and I can leave my whole family on the sidelines. So mm-hmm. how has it been for you? We're very, we both have daughters named Avery. You have yep. two daughters. Um, we both have two kids, young. Mm-hmm. We have wives that are fairly understanding yeah but how do you balance what advice do you have for guys to me that just need help balancing that work that hunt life that family life like 
Do you have any uh, things that you've learned along the way? I don't, I don't know, Dan. I was going to ask you the same question. Well, so we're screwed. But no, nah, I mean, you, I mean, and it, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people go through that. A lot of people struggle with it. You know, um, heck, I struggle with it. You know, personally, right? You've got these two, these two things that are different, you know, but you, I mean, you love the most in your life, you know, yeah. and, uh, and oftentimes they pull you in a completely different direction. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you go on an elk hunt, you're not going golfing for the day. Like that, that's, you know, oftentimes a week long commitment, particularly if you don't live in elk country, that's not a weekend endeavor. It's like, you know, you're burning five days of vacation, probably connecting it to a weekend, you know, um, and that's a lot of time away from home, but that's, you know, that's also time that that you're missing you know so you're you're definitely picking one thing that you love over another thing that you love possibly even more but to be who you are you definitely need to do these things but it's tricky man you know and i don't, I don't have the answers and like you yeah. said you know balance balance is the key um oftentimes hard to find yeah. you know work work is you know work is work right you know yeah. and it takes up a lot of time and you know and then you start uh, compounding that with, with being away and it's tough so especially when like that, my that's wife's a, that we should, that, that's a good audience question maybe somebody else I has do, the answer I think people should tell us how, how do they do it yeah right how do they pull it off because uh, if you go on Instagram or look at other people's socials and you're like oh they just get to hunt all the time right that's not always the truth you know that's the highlights yep there's some stuff you know there's some marriages that are broken because of hunting and obviously neither one of us want that but yep. I do think there's a way to almost fill your spouse your family's love tank up to the brim mm-hmm. before you go on a hunt you know yep. and be intentional about what you do and that's a good point and it's hard for me to do that but it's also important that i try to intentionally make decisions that are going to benefit the family family mm-hmm. time leading up to hunts because i'll be honest mark i i'm not home hardly like for a day in september right and i've done that as long as I've elk hunted right. for 15 years. And right. It's just hard for me because it is who I am. Yep. And it does make who I am. Yep. If I didn't go, I don't think it would be good. Well, you wouldn't be, that's the, that's the other, you wouldn't be a good person the rest of the year. You know, I think that's oftentimes what happens is, you know, um, you know, there's resentment that yeah. builds up, you know. That's you know, the word. You know, you're going to resent not being able to go if yep. you don't. Sometimes you get it from the other end because you do go, yeah. you know, so it's like I said, man, it's tricky. I don't have the answers, you know, balance is the key. And yeah. like you said, and, you know, trying to fill up, fill up that other person's tank as much as you can before yeah. you head out yeah. when you get back, you know, which is, um, yeah, you know, and it's tough. I mean, but when you're home, be home, be present yep. and be, you know, listening and, and engage, but no matter how tough I think I am or I love elk hunting. I will say that um, I used to miss my wife when I'd go elk hunting, but not that much. Like I, right. I looked forward to seeing her when I was done, but yep. I didn't. I was hunting. Yeah. Now with two little ones, dude, it sucks. Like I get homesick faster and faster. Are you experiencing the same thing? Game changer, man. Uh, like I never, I never, I never in a million years. You know, and the, you know, you'd have buddies. They'd talk about their kids, right? And you're like, yeah, 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 it's a kid, cool, yeah, sounds good, that's good for you, right? You know, I'm gonna go hunting, right? Or they'd be like, oh man, I'm, I totally miss my kids, and and uh, you know, I can't wait to get home, and I'm like, I almost don't even want to be out here right now. And I'd be like, dude, they'll be there when you get back. Let's go hunt, right? And then you have kids, and you realize that love, and that I mean, it's truly a love greater than you could ever even 
even imagine, right? Like it's unexplainable, you know, how you feel about them and, and how much you care about them. And so like, I never thought I'd be that guy that'd be like, oh, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe I want to pull back the reins on this, or maybe yeah. I don't want to go on, on this trip because I'm going to miss out on that. Like I never, and now I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm that guy, you know? So like yeah. I said, it's, it's tricky though, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do those things that make you, you, you gotta do those things that you've been passionate about your whole life. I mean, my goodness. I mean, just like, just like you, I'm sure. I mean, I've been fishing and hunting since I can remember. I remember being seven years old and you'd be getting invited to a birthday party, you know, cake and ice cream, which is a pretty big deal for a seven year old. I'd be like, yeah, no, cool. I'm going to deer hunt with my dad. So I got to miss out on that. Like that was just like, that was always like the most important thing to me. So that says it all. So when did you move from Washington? So yeah, uh, born and raised in Washington, you know, so, uh, uh, go Cougs, go Hawks, you know? Wow. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Still want to say that? Oh, always repping. All right. Always repping. I dig that. So, but yeah, I will say this. I have adopted the pack, right? You know, just, there's yeah. just, you know, one or two games a year where, um. You got to choose your side. You got to pick, man, you know? How so. far are you? So you guys are in Middleton, Wisconsin? So yep, right now we're in Middleton, yep. And you're an hour away from Green Bay? Uh, yeah, I think that's it's probably about two, two and a half. But I've been there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good spot. Yeah, that's cool. So you've been to a game, several. One, one. But it was awesome. It I was tell amazing. you what, like it, that exceeded my expectations. Yeah. You know, it was like it was a really cool environment. That stadium, there's not a bad seat in the house. Like you can tell. I mean, the the, the culture in that town. Um, you know, they love Green Bay football. Super nice people. My yep. wife and I were up there. I mean, people were, like, amazingly nice. You'd go to, you know, uh, we spend a little bit of time up there doing some other stuff. And, you know, you go to a coffee shop and people, like, just, like, strike up a conversation with you. Like, oh, hey, what's going on? Like, like, like you yeah. know that person, you know. So definitely a lot of, you know, um, a lot of good Midwest hospitality. But, yeah, so I moved away. Um, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, uh, probably about 2002-ish, you know. Like I said, went to school at Washington State. Um you know, finished up, definitely knew one thing, and that was passionate about the outdoors. So I worked at an Orvis shop uh, for a stretch, which was cool. You know, immersed myself in fly fishing, which I'd, you know, done a lot of previously. Yeah. Um, got a really cool job, a retail job at Outdoor Emporium in downtown Seattle, which was, um, at least for me, like kind of an iconic uh, retail store yeah. in the area. Like, I mean, I grew up there uh, or grew up, you know, going there as a kid. And uh, I was like, it was just like really cool to work there with those guys that. And then um, eventually uh, worked for Cabela's for about seven years. I was a copywriter for a number of years. Ended up in the marketing brand management department doing media relations. And Where were you doing that at? In Sydney, Nebraska. Okay. That's mm-hmm. it. Wow. So yeah, kind of the panha- western panhandle of Nebraska. At so. HQ? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. So yeah, it was a good spot. So yeah. And you talk- from there you went to Vortex? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. got, got the opportunity at Vortex and haven't looked back yeah. so never thought I'd leave the coast and kind of migrated east but I think as long as as long as I don't go any further east I'll be good to go yeah, so I agree I like, think I found a good home it's a two and a half hour flight right three hour flight back to yeah. Spokane yep not, not too, bad. too bad not too bad yeah um that's cool so I guess we'll wrap this up we got 15 more minutes I want to talk elk hunting we got to talk elk hunting yep. more in depth yep and then we talk about my favorite topic which is discipline and you know personal development and Maybe how, maybe you can look back in hindsight and think about some of the best practices or the success that left behind clues of got you to where you're at when it comes to hunting, when it Mm -hmm. comes to time to go in hunting, um, building a family and things like that. Because I know that a lot of guys that listen to this are probably blue collar, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and maybe they only have two weeks of vacation a year. 
and maybe Mama Bear doesn't want them to spend both weeks mm-hmm. hunting. So they really only have a week. Mm-hmm. Attach a weekend, you got seven days. Yep. You know, I promote everyone to go self-employed because you'll have more time. You can duplicate yourself, but maybe that's not. But what are some of the disciplines that you have, and this is a hard question, but looking back that have gotten you to where you're at? In your career, with your family, and the time that you get to go hunting, which is a lot compared to some people, what are some of your best practices? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's kinda, that is tough to nail down. I mean, I, th- I think one thing that truly has helped me is just, um, which a lot of people have, right, is just, you know, just that passion for the outdoors and that true love of it. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess I, and I think of myself as fairly versatile, right? You know, love to fly fish, love to bow hunt, yeah. love to muzzleloader hunt, love to rifle hunt, love to gear fish. You know, I'm not, I'm not against, you know, dragging some eggs along the bottom, you know, drift fishing for steelhead or, you know, dunking a worm or whatever, you know? So, um, I think, you know, because of that, I may not be great at one thing, but I feel like I'm pretty good at a lot of things, you know? And I think I love that variety too, you know? And so, um, just, you know, kind of like a, a, a broad depth of knowledge, you know, being kind of a generalist. You know, you want to talk elk hunting? Let's talk about elk hunting. You want to talk about whitetails? Let's talk about whitetails. I'm not pro at any of them, yeah. you know, but I love to do it. But you're, yeah, you're not great at one thing, but you're good at all of them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So do you, being that passionate, do you run a lot of your decisions through that passion filter? I am passionate about the outdoors. And do you, like, run that filter to on to make important decisions well yeah i'd say you know i mean like you said we we get to work with a lot of great people you meet a lot of great people um and and i think it also helps you read somebody are you legit are you not legit you know is this smoke and mirrors what do you have going on um are you just a trigger puller you know are you uh are you you know a a, a great outdoorsman a great woodsman you know like i said i'm not i'm not claiming to be the best because i'm not i know i'm the not i'm not you know but um but at least it gives you kind of like the, a baseline to, to see, uh, you know, see what's going on, see what's shaking with somebody and, 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 and kind of, you know, I guess a window, you know, maybe a deeper window into what they're up to, you know. So that filter I'm talking about, I run a lot of my decisions through my elk hunting filter, which yeah, right? is not a good thing, but I do. And, and the good things that come from it is, you know, there are many days a year where I don't want to exercise. I don't want to train. Yeah, right. But I will do in the name mm-hmm. of better elk hunting. And I always feel better when I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or I will put my head down and bust my ass at the gym as far as running a gym mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year when there's all these New Year's resolution. Because I know come September, I'm not going to be there. So if I can really put the work in, get the hours in, my elk filter tells me that if it will pay off for when I want to leave and right. go elk hunting. Right. Um, just like I'm going to go on a vacation with my wife in a couple weeks, I'm building up that love tank. You know, I'm putting in time with her and our relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I run a lot of it through my hunting filter, believe it or not. Like, mm-hmm. do you have any instances where you like literally, you know, the, you got some checks and balances you got to run through, so you can have the time and the freedom to go elk hunt or to hunt all over? So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, really, well, a lot of my decisions, yeah, are run through that filter, right? Like, I don't do some things that I know I would enjoy doing because I know I want to do this. You like, you almost have to like prioritize those things. And I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of things, they circle back to that, right? Like Mm -hmm. they circle back to that elk hunt or they circle back to that deer hunt or, you know, um, 
Yeah, really a lot of my decisions actually do revolve around that, you know, but... Um, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah. let's be honest, you know, but, you know, but there again, you know, I mean, like I got in a handful of hunts this year, stuck pretty tight to home this yes. year, you know, my heart, my hunting heart is probably more out west. I love to hunt whitetails in the tree. I'm not saying that I don't because, yeah. I mean, it's like one of the coolest things ever, but, um, you know, it's, oftentimes it's like, uh, like I said, you know, I mean... The, uh, it's not necessarily greener grass, you know, but I kind of focused out there. But I stuck pretty tight to home this year, and it, um, and part of that was because of my family, you know. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hang tight, you know. Ended up getting a couple nice bucks in Wisconsin, so that was awesome, you know. Did a quick trip to Missouri for a muzzleloader hunt and didn't quite connect, but that was a good trip. But it was one of those things where I got to go, but it wasn't that it wasn't that nine day hunt, yeah. you know. So you're kind of like you know, trying to find, again, with that balance, you know. Yeah. Well, you did good. Well, we'll let's finish with talking elk hunting. Uh, but first, let's go over kind of the shitty elk hunt you had this year with everything that did go wrong or could go wrong did go wrong. You know, you had Murphy's Law elk hunt. You know what I yep. mean? Oh, yeah. So tell, because there's some guys listening that probably are getting ready for their first elk hunt or their second or third. They're coming mm-hmm. out from out east or Midwest, and that learning curve is still kind of steep. Tell us about some of the stuff that went wrong, because I find I think it's important. So yeah, I mean they're not they're not all going to go how how you plan it or how you know maybe how you visualize it, you know. And I think as a hunter, I mean we're all we're all adapters, right? You got to adapt. I mean things are changing like this, you know. I mean you know where you're at, you know. Oftentimes fire can be an issue, right? You know yeah. fires go up. Cool. My number one spot that I've been scouting all year <laughs> or I've been hunting for ten years. Guess what? Can't get in there. Well, you still want to hunt elk, so you got to figure it out, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a comedy of errors, uh, you know, <laughs> rolled into town, you know, just coincidentally, like both my dad, and my, you know, two broken vehicles. Uh, my brother has a, a pretty sweet trailer, you know, uh, I don't know so what wait, happened. Both trucks were broken down. Yeah. So like we, your dad's truck yeah. is broken down. Yeah. We, your brother's truck is broken down. Yeah. And you just flew in. Yeah. And you're on the hunting clock right now. Correct. Okay. Wow. The clock has started. You kept it cool? Yeah, you know what? What are you going to do, man? You know, I mean, it's like, it's like yeah, you want to get out there, you know? But also, I was like, I was trying to, you know, stay positive and be like, hey, whatever is going on right now, it's all pointing me in some direction, right? Yeah. And, and maybe Great. I don't see that right now, but hopefully I do at the end of the week, right? Awesome. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the bottom ripped off my brother's trailer. We had to fix that one day. We finally actually got into the area where we, had, where we were trying to get going, and uh, uh, the truck got a flat tire, you know. So it was just like, like I said, it was a comedy of errors. But we did get, you know, I mean, um, you know, bright spot, right, hanging out with my dad and my brother. An insane, cool country that I call home. Um, got on one good bull the entire week. Got into a raging bugle fest with him oh, at like yes. 80 yards. You know, back and forth. He's chuckling, bugling, raking a tree, and that was probably one of the coolest elk calling interactions that I've ever had. I so mean, you it, got that experience. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sometimes that's only the thing you take away from hunt is you got that one experience. Yeah. Wow. This is a Roosevelt. Yeah. Yep. So are they uh, typically not as vocal, or are they very vocal? I mean, in my experience, you know, and there's guys that hunt them um, a lot more than I do, but yeah, I, mean, I don't think they are as vocal. I think part of that could be the, um, the terrain, you know, yeah. I think sometimes they are bugling. You're just not going to hear them. Like it's super thick or, yeah. or, um, I think it just, that the, the terrain really soaks their bugles up, but, um, you know, and, and heck, you know, I mean, you, you we're doing this podcast right now, dude. Like I, uh, 
dude, like uh, listen to uh, the Born and Raised guys, yeah. watch their stuff. Those guys are pros at that. Um, listen to some podcasts with with the guys from uh, Angry Spike Productions, which I don't I don't know those guys, but um, dude, those guys are pros. So you know, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn from those guys that get to live there all the time that yeah. have been doing it for way longer than I have. You know, and just um, so yeah, if you're interested in in learning a little bit about that the side Roosevelt, of the state yeah. and those Rosies, I mean, I think those guys have it. You know. Um, have it pretty dialed in, but it's also not without work. Those guys are putting in the work. They're yeah. putting in a lot of work, and and um, you know they're hunting a lot of days and hunting hard, and, and and they're good at it. But it's still you know they're putting in the work. Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that Washington and Oregon are very similar. We have this Cascade Range mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. almost divides the state into east and west. Yeah. And in Washington and Oregon, we have this east side bulls that are just literally Rocky Mountain mm-hmm. Yellowstone bulls, and then you kind of have an argument that there's some hybrid bulls going on there in the yep. Cascades. Um, but really, further, further east to the coast, you have true Roosevelt mm-hmm. elk that are bigger, um, have different characteristics. And when I say bigger, I mean body-wise. Like yep. They yep. literally don't have harsh winters. A big bull can weigh 1,000 pounds on yep. the hoof, literally. Yep. Whereas a Yellowstone might weigh like seven, 800 pounds. And that's huge for a Yellowstone oh. bull. Um, it's, it's interesting. You have a rainforest on one side of the state, and you got it dry on the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And then in, in Washington, you have to choose. Are you going to hunt east or west? And a lot of those east units are by me in Spokane, and those are Rockies. But you head over to where you were, completely different. You're hunting in the jungle. Yep. Uh, you're hunting at zero elevation a lot of times. Yep. And the ocean's right there. Yep. And it's a thick jungle. Yep. Um, unbelievable country. Yeah, no, it's cool, you know, I mean, and, uh, I mean, I love, I love to glass, you know, I'd say by and large, actually, you know, I mean, you can glass them up, you know, if you get in some open country, for sure, you know, you get them in those cuts or those openings, you know, the clear cuts, you know, where there's been some logging activity, where the, you know, those elk like to congregate, there's good feed out there, um, but oftentimes, you know, when you, when you jump in the timber or in that thick stuff, you know, if you get a bull going, or sometimes, um, you know, in the case of the bull that, um, I called in, uh, when I was hunting with my brother two years ago, maybe that was three years ago, he came in silent, and I didn't see that bull until he was 25 yards away. I saw horns coming through. I didn't even see his body at first. I just saw him? horns at 20. Didn't hear Isn't him. that crazy how thick it is, and they can just walk through? <sighs> Did you hit any swampy areas, too? In yeah. Because they have those really marshy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to get over there and do that, man. I just need to dedicate. Dude, you should, you should pick a year. I need and, to get a rosy. And do it. I think it'd be fun. You'd like it. I, I do. I, I got to just figure out when that's really important to me and go make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your plans for elk hunting this year? So uh, not sure if I'm going to get back home, but i um, going to try. So I'll probably, I'll either, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, probably Washington, Oregon, or Montana, but I want to get out. So probably Montana. Probably Montana? Mm-hmm. I like Montana. So because you have six weeks archery, mm-hmm. five weeks rifle. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. And with the general tag, you can hunt all over the state. Yeah. Do you have any idea where you want to go or you just think in Montana? I'm just thinking Montana and partially it is because of that broader season, right? Yeah. You know, so I've got some stuff. I'm going to try and go moose hunting with some buddies up in Alaska in early September, right? Oh, that's going to so, be epic. So again, yeah, super stoked about it. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to miss that archery elk hunt. Like, if there's one thing that you probably don't want to miss during the year, it's, it's archery elk in September. But so with that Montana season, it's like, okay, I can do that hunt. 
again, have a little bit of a break, spend some time with the family, and then, you know, jump back out again, you know, not having that stuff be back to back. So if you talk to enough guys that live in Montana, hot Montana, I have mm-hmm. uh, hunted there a few times and I've killed a couple of bulls. Mm-hmm. The opener is usually not as good in Montana, mm-hmm. but the second week is awesome. Yep. And then as the season goes on, the elk start getting pretty pressured. They start getting on private. But I'm here to tell you guys, if you hunt Montana, the first week, second week in October is another rut. Like, it's another estrus cycle. I can't prove it, but I'm telling you, be prepared for some really good bugling if you catch it right in October. Interesting. And it's still archery season. And so for those that are listening and thinking about coming out west, over-the-counter tags kind of exist in Montana, but you probably should put in this you year. You should probably put in. Because yep. last year they sold out. Montana was my backup plan. I hunted Idaho till it closed, and I was like, I'm just going to bebop over to Montana and they were out of tax. No way. And I've never had that happen in the last few right. years since they changed it over the prices. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, right. You're you know going to need to put, you're going to have to be a little more thoughtful about if you're going to hunt Montana, you need to put in. Yep. You know, and from a budget standpoint, that's not a cheap elk tag. You no. know, I mean, and that's all that stuff has gone up, you know, over yeah. the years. But, you know, I mean, they're, uh, I mean, it, it's an amazing place and, and they're pretty proud of it. <laughs> I would say, yeah. As far as OTCs, Idaho and Montana are my number ones. Yeah. Colorado's my number. I'll say two, but I think for those thinking about doing a hunt, you have time. I would encourage you to do it. You're not getting any younger. No. Life is short. Take advantage. Yeah. But do your preparation. I always say separation is in the preparation. Do your scouting. Talk to as many people as you can. Yeah. Uh, I use that GoHunt.com stuff yeah. quite a bit. I'm yeah. not sponsored by them. I pay the subscription. I think it's awesome. Nice. Uh, Onyx Maps at a desktop is the game changer. I actually I don't even like talking about Onyx Maps, even though I do, because um, it's a game changer, man. <laughs> I don't want everyone like, to know it's it. It's such a game changer. Yeah. They really, they're killing it. So come to Montana, six weeks of archery, and then maybe you plan a week of archery, and then you come back if you didn't get one and do a quick rifle hunt, you know? Yep. Yeah, you know what? And that's a good thing to point out, man, is that you do have that, you know, it's not, you don't have to pick that season, right? You know, if you buy an elk tag, you've got an elk tag and you yeah. can hunt that archery season. And if you have the time, right, if you have the time, you know, you can, you can drift over into that rifle season and give yourself another opportunity. And it's got good success rates. It's got good densities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wolves aren't too crazy like they are in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's about half as many yep. wolves in uh, Montana. Uh, generous seasons. Awesome country. We've just upset every resident of Montana right now. Yeah. It's, it's okay. They're used to it. And, you know, if you're coming out, you're going to pay for it. It's a pretty expensive tag. It yeah. really is. It's about 1000 bucks for a deer. If you get a deer-elk tag combo, it's about a grand. If you just get the elk tag, I think it's 800 ish Eight something. Yeah. So might as well just get the combo. But, yeah, Montana's awesome. Have you hunted Idaho? I've not hunted Idaho. Uh-uh. Do you know anybody... That hunts Idaho that you could maybe go with? It's not, nothing's really jumping out at me, Dan. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, yeah, I mean, that'd be something. Yeah, we should make that happen sometime. That's the thing to make happen. Come hunt the brush country. I think it's very similar to Roosevelt's, honestly. It's just, yeah. it's just steep. It does. I mean, it seems super steep and thick where you're at. You know, I mean, you're, you know, it's cool what you do. Just seeing, you know, I mean, you, you implement a lot of whitetail tactics. Yeah. You know, which is cool, you know. Definitely. And for the record, I actually like whitetail hunting. Um, yeah. I live in eastern Washington. There's not a ton of mule deer over there. Yeah. We have some big mountain bucks. Yeah. I've always hunted whitetails. That's how I started archery. Yeah. It's not going away, guys. I love, I like this August alpine mule deer hunting. That's my idea of mule deer hunting. But when it comes, when the leaves are starting to fall, I want to be in a tree. 
You know what I mean? And I get more adrenaline. This is no joke. When a whitetail buck shows up, when I've been sitting still forever, and all of a sudden, a cagey old whitetail buck is right there, full swall neck. Mm-hmm. I can barely keep my stuff together. I mean, a bull could be screaming in my face. I could just be running up a mountain. I'm cool as whatever, other side of the pillow. Yeah. But a whitetail, and I admit it, just crushes me on adrenaline. I think, I mean, you nailed It's just that it's that zero to 1,000. It is zero to 1,000. And I think because you are in the tree, you know that buck has to go in probably one of three very specific spots. And when it looks, A, when you hear those leaves crunch under his feet and you finally see what's going on and he's getting close and you're trying to pick that window. I mean, and all these things happen on a lot of other types of hunts too. But um, there is something a little bit different about it where it is like, I mean, your heart. I would say getting bananas. a bow pulled back on an elk is 10 times easier than getting your, just if you can got to get your bow pulled back without being undetected. And the timing on both is really important. It's an art. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about archery is, you know, you got to get the bow pulled back without being seen. And mm-hmm. it's, it's super awesome. Um, well, anything else you want to talk about with Vortex? What do you guys got going on for 2018? Man, lots of cool new products. Um, we're moving into a new facility. So we've built a, a new facility over in an uh, adjacent community called uh, Barneveld. So it um, should be really cool. You know, as we've grown, we've kind of continually gobbled up uh, this business park space. So probably peop- some people that shouldn't sit next to each other, you know, uh, don't. You know, so I, th- I think uh, logistically it's going to be awesome. Um, it's going to give us some new capabilities on the manufacturing side, um, as well as um, just, just a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, and then on the product side, um, new Viper HD spotting scope series. So a complete redesign of the original Viper HD spotter. Um, optically, it's a step up. Um, I'd say form factor, aesthetically, um, as well as functionally, um, it's, it's a big step up. It's got a helical focus now. So I don't know if you guys can see that, but there it is. That's the straight version. Uh, Dan likes the straight version. I prefer an angled. Yep. Um, and that's just come, you know, I mean, people ask that question all the time. You know, we're, now we're diving in the weeds on spotters, but, you know, which is better? It's going to come down to personal preferences and both probably shine. You know, if you're, if you're using that out of a car window a lot, if you like prefer that more line of sight like point your finger you know i'd pick a straight if you have multiple people using a spotting scope or you're in a mountain setting um you know an angled might might be a better choice there but so that's a really cool um thing that that we've got going on this year a new red dot that's going to be super sweet the crossfire red dot um new 18 by 56 kaibabs so if Ooh, yeah. 18 by 56 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I have 20 by 56s. Okay. What's the difference? So you're just going to get... Uh, so originally we had the, uh, the, the, the 15 by 56 yep. Kaibab, you know, which is an awesome tripod binocular. You definitely want to lock it down on a tripod. You know, definitely meant for, you know, open Western landscapes where you're just really tearing it apart, right? Mm-hmm. We added the 20, right, to get that extra magnification um, and really found this year a balance with that 18, you know, so you're going to get, um, you know, as far as, uh, your exit pupil, you know, is going to be a little bit bigger than in the 20. It's going to be a little bit smaller than the 15, you know, but it kind of struck that really nice balance there of long range glass and capability, um, field of view, you know, light transmission. Um, so I'm really excited about those because, um, 
I, I, say, I say this all, I'm like a broken record. I'm a, I'm a, a complete broken record. I've said it, you know, on a couple other podcasts, but tripod glassing, if you are in those open landscapes is, is a game changer and that's, yeah. a, that's a great product to do it with. I think everybody who has heard that by now and they'll believe it once they try it. Yep. I mean, it's, a, it's... Right. You'll, you'll try it out and you'll say, okay, I'm seeing more game and I can do this longer. And some hunts, it's really a numbers game. How long can you be behind the glass? Mm-hmm. It's just a numbers game. So yep. spring bear hunting is a lot like that. It's yeah, just, for sure. Can you be behind the glass long enough? Um, in fact, the bear I got last spring purely just six hours of glassing the same area over and over until this bear finally showed itself and it was just patience it was behind the glass yeah it was on a tripod um let's see as far as for elk hunting specifically i would say a 10 by 42 is the most universal Mm -hmm. piece of glass yep if you're going to pack glass you guys make a razor and a viper Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, we've got a deep lineup of, uh, of binoculars, um, everything from, you know, the crossfire, which is our entry point. So if you're kind of going to go in that good, better, best order, you got yep. the crossfire, the diamondback, which yep. actually bang for the buck. My wife has those. It Loves is tough them. to beat that diamondback. I mean, that, you know, 10, 10 by 42 and that binocular is going to retail for right about $230. Yeah. Um, she won that on a full draw film tour. Oh, no way. Yep. Yeah, and sweet. And they're hers. I am not allowed to touch them, yeah. just by the way. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. So after the Diamondback, then Have you talked to her about her selfishness at all? <laughs> maybe that's kind of a... I don't think she listens to this podcast, so I think we're cool. I think we're <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, that, those Diamondbacks, you know, just that, uh, just a perfect combination of, of, of price performance. Then you step it up into the Viper HD series, which kind of bumps that top tier, you know, but doesn't carry that top tier price tag. And yeah. then you get in the Razor series, which, you know, I'd set next to about anything that's out there. But still, comparatively, when you're looking at what you're getting for your dollar, an excellent value. It's still a chunk of change, but it's really yeah, good it's value at the investment. same time. You know? I don't know. When I first met you, I literally had to sell all my optics. We, we teamed up mm-hmm. and I sold all my stuff from another brand that I spent a lot of money on and I've never looked back. I've never been like, man, I w-, you know, it's been awesome. Right. But more importantly with Vortex is the customer service and the warranty. Mm-hmm. Tell guys about that and that we'll end on this because I think it's, it's, it's the best thing about you guys. Yep. So yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're a family owned company. We're a veteran owned company. Um, you know, and you talked about the warranty. I mean, we, we genuinely, we care about our customers. We want to hear from our customers. We want to talk to our customers and we want to take care of our customers. And that's, that's before, during, and after the sale. And this isn't a bunch of wind. I mean, if you're a Vortex customer, we've got your back. Um, I always say we try to build our stuff. So something never happens. So you never have to use the VIP warranty, you know, but things do happen and wild things happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you ever have, or if, if a person ever has an issue with an optic, um, whether it's, whether it's, uh, some sort of, uh, you know, malfunction that just happened or whether there's some catastrophic event. I mean, we've had house fires, car fires. One dude had a bear in camp chew up his binoculars, uh, <laughs> One dude had uh, an accidental discharge in his pickup. Nobody got hurt, but he shot a hole in his spotting scope. Oh, my god! But we're taking care of that guy yeah. because, I mean, if you're a Vortex customer, we want you to be a Vortex, Vortex customer for life, yeah. you know? And so, like I said, we try to build our stuff so you never have to use it. Most guys, I'd say, never have to. But if you do, we got your back. Cool. Well, thanks for the impromptu podcast, man. Dude, that's perfect. I'm glad you brought the gear. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass, but it was worth it because I love podcasting. I can just get cool. to know people better. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a great platform for people to get to know you better as well. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, we'll call this episode eight. Sweet, man. All right.